right, well, I'd like to take a moment just to welcome everybody joining us online and at any one of our campuses and everybody here at Little Creek to the first week of our brand new series called Jumpstart. Come on, everybody, welcome everybody joining us here today. We're so glad that you chose to kick off uh, the new year with us. My name is Alec Fisher. I get to serve as the campus pastor at our Biloxi location. And uh, man, just a great, great time of the year. How many of y'all, just be honest, you stayed up until 12 o'clock last night. You stayed up to ring in the new year. All right. All right. I'm going to be honest and tell you guys that I was lazy. I went to bed at 9 o'clock. Okay, that's what I did. But uh, really excited to kick 2023 off with everybody. This brand new series called Jumpstart. I'm sure we've all been in that situation before, kind of similar to that video that we just watched where we've been in a place, we've gone to our car, we had to go somewhere real quick. Uh, we get in there, we turn the, put the key in the ignition and nothing's happening, right? Because our kid left a light on in the back looking for a toy. We know how that goes. And, and then we get in there and we can't go anywhere. But then this, this is the situation we end up in. We end up in a situation where now we have to find someone with power to connect to to give us a jump start. And, and I believe that as we start this new year, no matter what state uh, your life might be in, uh, we all need to really connect ourselves to God, the source of all power, uh, to where we can really have the best year yet. Very excited about that. But speaking of uh, new year, everybody has all kind of new year's resolutions, right? And I'm sure many of you in here, you might be thinking of different things. Maybe you want to go to the gym more this year. You know, I heard the, heard the hardest machine at the gym the front door. That's what I heard. But, uh, but I heard of a guy who, this is pretty funny, he was, he was researching and he was doing a lot of reading as he was preparing for his New Year's resolutions. And he was reading a lot of articles somewhere on uh, how bad sugar is for you and how you really shouldn't eat a whole lot of ice cream. And he was reading articles on that. He was doing some reading even on fried food. And as he was reading about fried food, it was saying how bad it is and uh, how you should stop eating that. And and so he said, you know what? After reading all this stuff, I made a decision. I know what my New Year's resolution is going to be. No more reading. <laughs> so you guys can copy that if you want to. But <laughs> as we start out a new year, uh, I think it's a, a proper time for us to evaluate our habits. And I'm sure that we all have habits. Uh, every single one of us do. Habits are our brain's way of automating our normal responses to life. And what it does is that essentially after we do something one time or two times or three times, it, it builds kind of a neural pathway, a groove in our brain uh, to where now we don't really have to think about that reaction anymore. It just automatically does it for us. And so habits can be a powerful thing, but they can also be a dangerous thing. But we all have habits. I'm sure many of you have kind of funny habits. I even think about uh, whenever I brush my teeth, I'm not sure why I do this, but I've always, after I get done brushing my teeth, I always tap the toothbrush on the sink three times. Now, let me just tell you, I've never done it four times. I've never done it two times. Always three times. I'm not sure when I decided that habit, but I've just, I decided it. And, you know, and I'm not the smartest person in the world, but whenever I tie my shoes, y'all going to be proud of me. I can actually have a conversation and tie my shoes at the same time. Isn't that impressive? <laughs> Why? Because it's just a habit. I even think about uh, driving sometimes. Maybe you've been in that situation where you've been driving somewhere that you drive uh, too often, and you, you get to the destination, and then if y'all ever like me, you you're like, wait a second, I don't even remember the last 20 minutes of this drive <laughs> because my brain was somewhere else, but the habit of going to that destination just kicked in, and, 
And one final thing I wanted to share, just the other day, it was so funny, I, I, every single time I back out of my garage, I'm a garage door clicker up there on the visor of my car, so, so I click the garage door clicker. Every single time I back up, boom, hit the thing. So I was at the restaurant the other day, uh, at a restaurant somewhere in town, and, and as I was, I was backing out of my parking spot at the restaurant, all of a sudden my arm went up, and I started clicking my garage clicker. Anybody ever done that before? Am I the only person? I mean, and it's like, what is my arm doing up there? And I'm telling you what it's doing. It's a habit. And one thing that I've, uh, that I've heard recently, this is so crazy, this is going to blow your mind, but up to 90% of our daily decisions are made by our habits. 90%. So what I want to tell you today is you decide your habits and your habits decide your life. You determine your habits, you form them, and those habits, those daily routines, those, those daily rhythms, those are the things that determine the direction and the trajectory that your life is heading in. It's, in very, it's very important for us to look at our habits. And, you know, as we, as we think about this, I really, I want to talk about a habit today that has transformed my life um, and that Jesus consistently taught about and he even modeled for us uh, with such consistency. Powerful, powerful habit that Jesus talks about here in John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to that. John 15, let's start in verse Four. Jesus said this. He said, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed or disconnected from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And look at this phrase. For apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. You see, right here, Jesus is unpacking a spiritual truth and a, a, a habit to have in our lives that he says is so essential. If you do not have this built into the rhythms of your life, he says you can't do anything. And what is it? It's the habit of connect, connecting with God. It's the habit of connection with God. You see, this is what Jesus is talking about. He said, look, if you're disconnected, from the vine, you can't do anything. It's, the, it's power in connection. And one thing I love so much about Jesus is that Jesus did not just teach us things, but he modeled things for us through his example. And it's so mind-blowing to even think about how Jesus lived his life and the different things that he did. It's, look at this in John chapter 5, and listen to how similar this sounds to the passage I just read in John 15. Jesus now is speaking about himself. Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, the son, he's saying, he's speaking about himself, can do nothing by himself. What? It says, he only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus was fully God, fully man, yet he himself, led by example, a role model for us in this, this habit called connection. And if the Son of Man, if, if Jesus Christ said, I can do nothing without a connection to the Father, how much more do we need a connection to the vine? How much more do we need a connection to God? This is powerful, powerful stuff. You know, I made the, I made the mistake uh, recently of going and trying to build a fence by myself in my backyard in August. Yeah, that's a bad decision. So 
I, I went ahead, and, and I'm out there, and it's, it's just hot, you know, it's horrible, and I'm out there just trying to figure it out all by myself, and, and I have my drill and everything, and I'm, I'm making some good progress, but then my drill uh, died, so I'm like, well, i got to go charge my battery again, so I go back, and I, I plug that battery into the charger, I take the other battery off the charger, plug it in, go outside, and, and still my drill isn't working. I'm frustrated. I'm like, gosh, you know, so I go back and I, you know, put it charging again. And then I just go and ate some lunch, came back. I'm like, surely now it's charged. So I take it off. I go back out there, still dead. I was so frustrated. So I go to Home Depot, buy a brand new uh, charger, a brand new drill even. I, I take the whole box. I go back home. I unpackage the box. I go to I go to plug in my, my new charger that I had just bought. And as I'm plugging it in, I realize the old charger was never plugged into the wall. My, my drill wasn't broken. It was just disconnected, right? And, and you might be in here today and you're examining your life and, and, you're look, and you're frustrated. Maybe you're at one of our campuses or watching online. You're frustrated because you look at your life and you say, I don't have the peace that I desire. I don't have the healing that I need. I don't have the wisdom that I need for the situations that I'm facing. And, and you might just feel like you're broken. But I think Jesus would tell you today, maybe you're not broken. Maybe you're just disconnected. And so this is why Jesus is telling us about this thing called connection to the vine. He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Y'all ever saw a branch laying on the ground producing fruit? No, no. Why? Because it's disconnected. We have to be connected to the vine. And so one of the things that I love to think about is even how the disciples got to view Jesus's life. Because, you know, some things are taught, but some things are, are caught, right? And just observing Jesus's life, how, how amazing would that have been? I would have loved to see, you know, what Jesus really looked like. I would have loved to hear his voice. I want to I see how he responded, his mannerisms, all these different things. And as the disciples and the followers of Jesus uh, physically watched him and observed his life, they were amazed at a lot of different things. Clearly, they were amazed at his miracle-working power. I mean, who wouldn't be? Uh, he's raising people from the dead. I mean, they were amazed by that. They would uh, write about it and things. The gospel writers would write about that. And, and they were blown away by his peace that Jesus could have in the midst of chaotic moments. All right? That was something that they were like, how can he have so much peace and, and his power? He said, even the, the wind and the waves obey this man. They were just blown away at his power and his authoritative teaching they often talked about. Uh, but one thing that I think all of the gospel writers noticed, and all the disciples noticed as well, the followers of Jesus, they said, there's something happening in the private life of Jesus that is leading to his public success. And what it was, was it was the devotion life that Jesus had, the moments whenever he spent connecting with the Father. It was that under-the-surface habit that Jesus had that led to his above-the-surface success. And I don't know about y'all, but I want to have a successful year. Anybody else? I don't know. I don't just want to have a successful year. I want to have a successful life. And if I'm going to have success up here, I got to have success privately as I connect with the vine. Look at a few of these uh, statements that are just in Luke's account as they observe Jesus's life. Look at this habit that Jesus had. Luke chapter 5 verse 16. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke chapter 6 verse 12 says that Jesus spent the night 
praying to God. Luke chapter 22, verse 39 says, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual. That word as usual, some, some translations might say as was his custom or as was his habit to the Mount of Olives. What was he doing at the Mount of Olives? He was connecting with the Father, spending time. This is one of my favorite passages here as well. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says, but despite Jesus' instructions, so listen, Jesus was making all kind of, you know, uh, deaf ears open and blind eyes open, all these different things. He was, he was healing the sick and raising the dead. And he actually told people, hey, 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 just, just keep it down. Don't spread it too fast. And it says this, despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And the vast crowds came to hear him preach to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Wow. I love this because as Jesus' schedule got busier, he went deeper in a connection. How many of us, if you're like me, where our, our schedules get more and more packed? And, and nowadays, I mean, uh, everything's fighting for our attention. I mean, everything's trying to pull us away. In fact, I heard somebody say once that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Isn't that right? Why? Because whenever we're busy, we're, we, it crowds out room for God in our day-to-day lives. And we have to be connected. Jesus, I love the fact that, that increased demands in Jesus' life called for increased devotion. There was something going on deep in his soul as he connected with the Father on the Mount of Olives when no one else was around that led him to those public moments of success that we all talk about. And I just want to tell you today that I believe that God wants us to have that type of connection no matter how busy our lives get. Look, I'll admit, it's hard to fit God into our schedule today. Even for me, you know, I find it difficult. I have to get creative uh, anybody else have young kids that wake up before the sun comes up? Anybody? I mean, it's like, you know, I get woken up by a toy getting thrown in my head, and, and they want every single snack in our pantry, you know. And uh, it's hard to figure out. I mean, my kids, it's like they wake up before the sun comes up. Jesus woke up before the sun came up, and I feel like my kids are more like Jesus because, you know, they're, they're up before me is what I'm trying to say. And, it, and it's like, where do I go? How do I hide from them, you know? And I love, I'm so excited to see them in the morning. But we got to figure out ways to fit God into our schedules. And there's always something vying for our attention. There's always something fighting for our focus. And we have to prioritize. That's what Jesus is saying. Look, Jesus had a lot of stuff to do. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot going on, right? He was only saving the world, right? But even in that, even in that hectic schedule, he still had what the Bible would call rhythms of grace or the pace of grace where he connected in the midst of busyness. I want to encourage you as we step into this new year, I believe that this is the most important habit that we can develop as we spend time connecting with God through his word, as we memorize scripture, as we read his word, as we journal, as we pray to God, as we bring our needs to God, as we commune with him, as we worship him, even in the private places of our lives, I believe that there's something about this habit that will transform our lives. I love one of our campus pastors at our Bay St. Louis campus, Pastor Frank Griffin. I love one thing that he often says is he says, look, if you make a decision to make this the best year of your life spiritually, it will be the best year of your life. 
Now, I'm not saying it won't have any trials or any tribulation, but what I'm saying is there is something about whenever you, what did, what did God say? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you, right? There's something about this. So I want to give you, uh, in the time we have left, three benefits of connection, three benefits of connection. And I'm trusting that this is going to inspire you and fire you up to really go deeper with God than you ever have before in your devotion life this year. Number one, connection with God builds relationship. It builds relationship. You know, there's a lot of misunderstanding, even in the Christian community, about the purpose of even reading your Bible. Uh, Some people think just reading the Bible, it's just so that you can win uh, at the game of Bible drill whenever you, uh, you know, you got to put your finger, oh, I know where that verse is. I know where that chapter is. Or, or maybe, maybe even some people think that the purpose of reading the Bible is just to understand big theological concepts and to be able to argue better with your friends about this thing or that thing or whatever. But let me just tell you, the Bible has a lot more to it than just that, and I'm about to tell you about it. Some people even think prayer, the purpose of prayer is only just to bring our list of needs to God. And there is a part of that that is absolutely true, and I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes, but there's more to connection with God than just what you can learn and what you can get. There's much more. You know, the original connection that happened with God happened in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says that Adam and Eve, they walked and they talked with God in the cool of the day, right? And uh, I, love, I love to just imagine what that would have been like. They're walking and talking with God in the cool of the day. Probably no mosquitoes, 0% humidity. Come on, somebody. You know, it's just beautiful out there. They're walking and talking. And, 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 but then I had this thought. I was like, wait a second. They're walking and talking. This is the first connection to God that we see in Scripture between man and God. What happens? Well, I was thinking, you know, wait a second. They don't have any problems. Like, they're... They, they, they didn't have any financial burdens. They, they didn't have any bills. They, they didn't have any sickness. Uh, they didn't have any relational tension. They didn't have any crazy family members to deal with at Christmas dinner. They didn't have any of that. So my question is, if they had no problems, what did they talk to God about? What did they talk to God about? Because honestly, if I could be honest, and I, I'm even included in this, if you subtracted all of the, the bringing of problems to God from your prayer life, would there be anything left? That's a question. And I'm even guilty of that many times. But this is the, this is the point. The point is, what is connection with God all about? I believe it's first about building a relationship. I believe it's much more than a head thing, a knowledge, an understanding, a theological, you know, all this different thing. And it's much more than God, just give me this, give me that. It is a heart connection. Everybody say heart connection. Heart connection. You see, Jesus knew whenever he was speaking about us being connected to the vine in John 15, I believe that he knew that more valuable than anything that we can get from God is our connection to God. It's a relationship. You know, I believe that many people can often miss God by 18 inches. 18 inches. What is that? That's the distance between your head and your heart. The distance between your head and your heart. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not the most uh, emotional person, uh, or I guess I should say in tune with my emotions. Uh, You know, my wife will ask me, how do you feel about that? I'm like, I don't know. I guess feel good. I don't know, (laughs) you know. And... uh, 
but, but you know, I, I really don't, I don't even cry that much. I'm, I'm not a big crier. You know, I've cried four times in my life, once whenever I got married, uh, two times whenever my kids were born, and then finally uh, at the conclusion of the movie Toy Story 3 while I was watching it in the theater because it was just, it was emotional. They were all holding hands and going down the, anyway. But uh, I was like, what are these feelings? What is happening in my eyes right now? <laughs> I, I cry, I've never said this before publicly, I cry so little that whenever I cry, there's so much salt buildup in my eyes that it burns and I have to close my eyes. <laughs> Why am I saying that? I, I think this is the thing, is that I'm not, I'm not the most emotional person, but this is the thing. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're real in touch with your emotions or disconnected from your emotions and you're trying to grow in it. Whatever it might be, God is still looking for an emotional connection. Why did Jesus come to Peter on the shore and he said, do you love me? And he said, of course, of course I love you. He said, no, do you love me? What is Jesus looking for? A heart connection. I want to speak specifically to the men right now. You might struggle with this a little bit more. I'm telling you, there is a way. God, it's not just about, I did some things for God. I, I, I used my hands and I, and I served. That's great. It's not just about, oh, man, I learned a lot of things about God. That's great. But do you know him? Is your heart connected to him? I love this. I love this. And, and you see this even so clearly even in the Pharisees and religious teachers of the time. They were... I mean, they had more theology and understanding and, and knowledge and all these different things. I mean, they, they prayed all throughout the day. They, they knew their word backwards and forwards. But then what happened? Jesus, the word, came and stood right in front of them, and they didn't even recognize him. Why? Because Jesus actually told them one time. He said, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Think about this. Jesus actually told the Pharisees and religious teachers one time, he said, look, you pour over the scriptures thinking that in them you can find eternal life. But he said, what you're missing is that the scriptures point to me. That's what Jesus told them. Of course, we dive into our word this year to learn things. And that's so good. And we want to do that. But don't miss God in the learning. Of course we come to God in prayer and ask for things, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But in the, in the asking, connect. That's what we're called to do. There is a heart connection. Don't miss God by 18 inches. Connect with your heart. Number two, connection with God changes things in me. It changes things in me. You know, Jesus knew whenever he was talking in John 15 about us abiding in the vine and remaining in him and him remaining in us, he, he, he knew that we become like who we hang around. And I have a Cajun family. I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, y'all. So I got a Cajun family, okay? And you might not be able to hear my strong accent right now. I really don't have a strong accent. But give me 15 minutes on the phone with my family, and it's coming out, yeah. Seriously. What? Because we become like who we hang around. We become like, and this is the thing I love so much about the word of God, is as we dive into God's word, as we spend time in prayer, in his presence, and worship, and as we do that, I believe that he rubs off on us. And as I'm spending time with him, it changes things inside of me. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us 
when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Paul here is telling us, look, whenever you dive into that word, it's going to change something in you. Why? I love the fact the Bible says, my word goes forth and it always produces fruit. And whenever I put God's word in my heart, I love that. David even said, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart. And I love the fact that whenever you hide God's word in your heart, it will always produce fruit. It corrects. It changes. It directs. Things shift inside of me. And, and you know, one thing I heard recently, this is so crazy, but studies have shown how many, how, what percent of Christians would you think read their Bible daily? Just think about it for a minute. 11%. 11% of Christians read their Bible daily. You know, I, I, watch, a, I watch a TV show uh, before it's called Alone. If you've ever seen it, it's a crazy TV show where they drop these people off in, in these real remote areas. And typically it's very cold there. And, and the whole purpose is they have to survive by themselves for as long as possible. And they're on the show, and, and they're trying to find food somewhere. And it's so difficult for these people to find food on this TV show because they're just out there in the wilderness, and things are freezing. And they'll catch a fish every now and then. And I mean, it's like Christmas morning whenever they catch a fish, right? And, and then they eat it, but then they don't eat for like a week or two. And, and then they're, they're just starving to death. And, and the crazy thing is, honestly, they look pretty good on the outside. They have these big old puffer jackets on and all kind of th- I mean, they got so many layers on. But then, eventually, what happens is the producers of the TV show have to go check on them to make sure that they're physically okay. They show up, and they check on them, and the people look pretty good on the outside. They haven't been eating hardly anything for a long time. But then they take their jackets off, their coats off, and all of a sudden, you're like, wow, they are malnourished. I mean, they are starving to death. My question is this. How many of us as Christians, we might look good on the outside, look like we have it all together, but spiritually we're so malnourished. We're starving. Why? Why is that? I believe the Bible, the Bible is daily bread. It's daily bread. Look, let me just tell you, the Bible isn't meant to be cake for special occasions. It's meant to be bread for daily use, right? Why did, why did God say in the Old Testament, man has fallen down from the sky and they're getting manna day after day after day and they're having to figure out new ways, new creative ways to, to make manna. You know, they're having, you know, uh, banana bread and manicotti and manna pancakes and everything. And, and, then, and then what did he say? He said, look, whenever the bread comes down, he said, only take enough for today. Why did he say that? Because we were never meant to live on leftovers, we're never meant to live on that. Le- it has to be daily bread. Don't be spiritually anemic where, where these, these things, you're just, you're starving on the inside. You need him. You need that connection. You need it. And whenever you connect, it changes you. It changes me. I love this scripture. In Ezekiel 46, I was reading my Bible one day. I like to read the life journal reading plan. I love the journal and things and as I was reading one day at a pretty obscure passage of scripture, I was reading and it's in Ezekiel 46. It's about rules for coming into the presence of God during religious festivals. So let me just say it's not in the top 10 scripture list, okay? Let's, let's be honest. But I got there and I was reading this and God spoke to me. It says this, but when the people come in through the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festivals, they must leave by the south gateway. 
And those who enter through the south gateway must leave by the north gateway. They must never leave by the same gateway they came in. They must always use the opposite gateway. And God began to speak to me. He said, this is my desire for you. Whenever you step into my presence, my desire is for you to always leave different than the way that you walked in. And whenever you're in the presence of God, yeah, come on. Whenever you're in the presence of God, things shift. Things change. He rubs off on us. And I'm so grateful for it. The final point is this. Connection with God. It changes the things around me. It's not only changing me. It's not only building a heart connection to God, but it actually changes the things around. I don't know what you're facing today, but I know many of you, you might have walked in here with some pretty serious challenges that you're facing. The things that are surrounding you are dark. They're grim. They're, they're difficult. But let me just tell you, whenever we connect to the one who has all power, there's just something that can change in our situations. There's something that can change and shift around us. But it involves an if from us. You see, God wants to do amazing things around and through our lives. But he often says, if you do this, then I will do that. Let me just tell you, look, y'all, many of y'all know this passage of Scripture, Second Chronicles. It says this, if, everybody say if. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then, everybody say then, then I will hear them from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. It's an if and a then. Why is that? Why doesn't God just do everything he wants to do in and around our lives? Well, he partners with us. And to be honest, I haven't quite figured out the grace of God where he would want to partner with broken people like us, but he always does it to release his will in the situations surrounding our lives and in our lives. Even Jesus said this. He was speaking about, he said, look, don't just pray one time for God's will to be done and, and just call it a day. He said, look, if you need something, he said, keep knocking, right? He said, keep knocking and the door will be open to you. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep asking and you'll receive what you're asking for. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, if you connect to the vine and you keep that connection strong, all of a sudden there's going to be some fruit that's going to show up on the branches. There's going to be some, some fruit that's going to show up on those branches. And In other words, without God, we can't do anything. But, but, but without him, without, without us, he won't. There's, a, there's this collaboration, there's this partnership that God uses to release things into our lives. And so maybe you're in a situation today, you're facing something with a child. Maybe it's something financial, a health situation. I, I've, I've sat at the bedside of many different people going through many different things in the hospital. And, and I've gotten to meet with people in my office over the years, just going through horrendous things. I know there's people going through difficult situations. And let me just tell you, God is still in the miracle working business. You know, I don't know about y'all, but I still believe that the miracle working power of Jesus did not stop with the final page of the Bible. But it continues today. It continues today. Look, he's not, he, he's not the great I used to be. He's the great I am. Come on. 
He's the great I am. He, what he did, he can still do. Who he was, he still is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What situation are you facing where you need a connection to the great I am? Nothing's going to change by yourself. If I could change it, it would have been done by now, but we can't. We can't. We need a connection to God. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Maybe you're in here today and you're walking through something difficult. I just want us to start this year off declaring to God that, that we're going to stay connected to him. The source of all power, all peace, all direction. So Lord, right now, God, I just pray for your people. God, we thank you, Lord, that this year we're going to make a decision to connect to the vine and not disconnect. God, we're not going to let the busyness of our schedules crowd you out. But God, we're going to make a decision to seek first the kingdom of God. And Lord, you're going to add many, many things to our lives because of it. God, we thank you, Lord, that we're going to connect not just with our head, not just with our hands asking for things, but God, we're going to connect with our heart this year. God, even as we connect, God, we thank you, Lord, that you're going to change things inside of us, that we are going to walk out different than the way that we walked in. And God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you have all power. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And Lord, we know that if all authority has been given unto you, what does that mean for the devil? He has zero authority. So Lord, we speak your authority over the situations that we're facing today. God, we thank you that there's going to be fruit on our branches because we're connected to the vine. We praise your name in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give God praise today. Come on. Wow, what a powerful message and what a great way to kick off this new year. But listen, if you're here with us today and you're making the decision for the very first time to give your life to Jesus, we wanna take just a moment to say congratulations. We're so excited for you because we believe that this is the best decision you could ever make. Yes, we're so happy for you. And if you need any questions answered on what it really means to follow Jesus, we have so many people that would love to talk to you. So connect with an online host in the chat room, or you can simply text the word decision to 822-822. And hey guys, in just a few short weeks, we're kicking off our brand new series called Extraordinary Living. On January 14th and 15th, we're gonna be jumping into this incredible new series. And so we just wanna tell you right now, take a moment to begin to think about and pray about who God would have you reach out to and invite along with you on this powerful, powerful new journey. Yeah, and with that being said, we will see you all next week. Same time. Same place. See you soon.